nice doll. That's what you think. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Episode two. Well, well, well. Annabelle. <sighs> I'm not sure about that title at all. The title's great. What's wrong with the title? Lindsay's been been pushing this title since before we even seen the film. Yeah, I think much. since before we decided to start a podcast. Yeah, officially, but yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> I think I was listening to my Michelle, and I just got like really, really carried away. Really carried away. <laughs> so. Welcome back to our podcast. Um, if you joined us in the last one, you'll know that we were talking about a movie that came out 20 years ago. We were talking about The Matrix. Yeah, and now we're right up to date. Yeah, so we're talking about a film that's literally in cinemas right now. Right now. Like, we just went to see it. Last night. 12 hours ago. We wee bit more than that. Okay. So we went to see Annabelle Comes Home. Yes. Um, which is the third film um, about... A the doll. third Annabelle film. The third film about a doll called Annabelle. But the seventh Conjuring film. Right, okay. So Annabelle films exist within the Conjuring universe. Yes. So we're on number seven. Okay. Um, but we both agreed that this is a film that you could probably just watch, like not having seen the other ones, because there, there's a really good, there's a, there's a good amount of like setting the scene at the start. So Yeah, so within the Conjuring universe, you've got the Conjuring films, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, there's two other Annabelle films. This is the third. And you've got, I've said that about ten times now, so I think you've got that this is the third Annabelle film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm basically getting at here is there's a lot of Conjuring films, but the timeline through them can be a wee bit confusing. Mm-hmm. They don't follow like a sort of linear timeline. It jumps all over the place. Yeah. So I, I did watch a few YouTube videos before we went to see Annabelle, which mm-hmm. was like sort of the Conjuring universe explained and the, the timeline explained. And I'm, I'm still none the wiser, to be honest. Like no. I like those films a lot. Like I'm, I'm a fan. But I still, in terms of like how it all fits together, it's, it's, it's pretty loose. Yeah. But we just go with that. So recently in this universe, we've had an Annabelle film, which was Annabelle Creation. Yes. And that's about how the doll sort of comes about. That's your origin story. Sure. And then we've had The Nun recently as yeah. well, which is just completely different. Yeah, again, linked into that whole kind of series of films, but in a really loose way. Yeah, so I think with any of these, you can basically watch them mm-hmm. as standalone films. You'll miss a couple of wee kind of Easter eggy bits, but for the most part, like I don't think it makes a big yeah. difference. So for any of you who don't know, Annabelle movies are, they're like horror films basically, we should have probably made that clear, like they're, um, yeah. they're, they're, um, they're from the horror genre, they're about um, a doll that's possessed. So do you think we should hit a spoiler alert here? Yes. Okay. Because you'd know that it's a possessed doll from the trailer. So yeah, I feel so like... we're not giving anything away at this point, but this is a point where we might start. So. Yeah. Okay. So... As always, we are going to be talking about a film, and we're going to be probably talking about a couple of associated films because it's part of a series. Um, if you've not seen Annabelle Comes Home and you don't want to know what happens, go to the cinema, watch it, come back and listen to us talk about it. Um, if you're not bothered about hearing what happens in it, um, whether you're going to watch it or not, then that's cool. Grab some snacks, settle in, and we'll get started. Don't your parents keep any creepy stuff around? We keep it all locked away in a room so that we're safe. It's not really good for anyone to go in there. With that being said... Annabelle comes home. Yeah, 
Um, see, okay, so here's the thing about that name for me. Like, I feel like in this film, she's she's been where she is in the house <laughs> for a year. Like, before, like, do you know what I mean? She doesn't go anywhere. I know, but you can't call the film Annabelle's at home. <laughs> It's rubbish. Annabelle stays at home. Annabelle's chilled. Yeah, Annabelle's, Annabelle's not left the house for a year. Annabelle's not been up too much for a year. Yeah. Nobody's going to see that. I know. Annabelle comes home. I know. It's I nice. get it. It's it's that. It's definitely like more of an attention-grabbing title. Yeah. But basically what we're saying is Annabelle gets home within about the first two minutes. And then the film picks up one year later. Yeah. So the film picks up with the Warren family. Who are based on a real family, based right? Based on a real family. So the film's dedicated to Lorraine Warren, who's the mum in the family. Mm -hmm. She just died recently. And basically they're kind of like paranormal investigators, but linked to some like real life famous cases, I guess, like the Amityville. Sure. Basically, the Warren family help people who are having issues of a paranormal nature. Mm -hmm. And through that, they've collected like a whole host of artifacts, like mm -hmm. possessed or whatever. And they keep them in the basement. Sure. So they keep them in this room in their house. Why you would choose to keep it in your own house is is beyond me. But anyway, so they you have. Think you'd, you'd hit up the church, wouldn't you? Like, you would can hit I just up. Put these in here. You like, would hit up literally any other location other than where you live. <laughs> I feel like just rent a storage locker, like yeah, thirty quid a month or and something, then, and then you don't have a possessed doll in the basement. Yeah. So they have a. But there's not much of a horror film there. Is that there? is very true. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so they have a. They have a room that's got about 50 billion locks on the door and it's supposed to be like impenetrable. Aye, but the keys are on the desk. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they've not really thought this robust security procedure through. So this room, as well as having Annabelle, the possessed doll, who is kept in a case made of church glass and wood that's been soaked in holy water and blessed by a priest and all that jazz. All that? Just making sure. Yeah, you don't want to leave anything. Yeah. Any box unticked. Yeah. So, as well as Annabelle, the room also has a range of objects and artifacts that the Warrens have picked up over their years of investigating. Um, and it's thought that every object in the room is cursed or haunted or malevolent in some shape or form. At the end, when she says, like, there's so much evil in this room or something like that, like, there's yeah. such a sense of evil in this room. Yeah. So, basically, yeah, you've got a room of scary stuff. Yeah, that's basically it. And it's it's based on a real-life room. It is. That, that you can actually go and visit. You can actually visit. It's like a wee museum, but it's bizarre because you've got things that are sort of... I struggle a wee bit with the terminology, but like I'm going to say, like genuinely, have some sort of evil attached to them. I guess so. Mm -hmm. You've got like the real Annabelle doll, who I guess whether you believe it or not, may or may not be possessed. Mm -hmm. You've also got a whole host of like skulls with neon flashing eyes. Yeah, and really tacky like Halloween merch. It's it's, it's total as the Halloween aisle, like yeah, which ma makes you reevaluate the whole thing because I guess if you like believe in this sort of stuff, and you're thinking, man, maybe there is a chance that this doll is possessed. And then you go to see it and it's in a room with all this flashing skull weirdness. Yeah. You're a bit like, hmm. So the Warrens have got all this stuff in a room. And the room, like I said, has about a million locks on the door and you can't get in it. So everything so, should be okay, right? Yeah, so what I would say is this room in the film is probably more effective than the real life room. The yes. real life room, like I say, has all the neon flashing skulls. 
the film version is a wee bit more professional. Aye, they've toned down the tackiness a wee bit. Yeah, but so if it's all locked away. Well, no, because you've obviously got. We're, we're ticking a lot of sort of cheesy horror boxes here, so you've got like the daughter's quite creepy. I mean, she's a bit of a loner, like, which isn't a bad thing, but like basically all her school chums know what her parents do for a living. Yeah, which I guess doesn't make things easy. And she, the parents are going away because I don't know, I guess they've got some more ghosts to bust. Maybe they just wanted a night away a, from a night their away, creepy I, house I, and their I, creepy kids. I guess so. I guess so. It must be quite tiring taking haunted dolls home for a living. So <laughs> I guess a wee night at the Hilton is not <laughs> too much to ask. <laughs> so, yeah, so the parents go away. We don't really know where. And the babysitter comes over. Mm-hmm. With the babysitter comes, like, the first quite an annoying pal who's a bit more snoopy. The babysitter, to be fair... I think if it's just her, we're cool with the whole, like, all the bad stuff locked in the basement and nobody's really fussed. Yeah. But we've got a pal who wants to snoop. Yeah. And, and at first, she does. And at first you think it's because she's just a pain in the backside. Yeah, but then we bring in a wee bit of a side story on that where she's lost someone recently and she wants to contact them. It doesn't quite go as planned, but yeah, we won't spoil that any, any further. But yeah, she makes her way into the basement. She finds the Annabelle doll. She completely ignores the sign that says positively do not open. And it's in like, you know... It's a good font. It's a good font, guys. Quite an intimidating font. Yeah, I mean, if I saw any instruction in that font, I would follow it. Aye, it's not like Comic Sans or anything. No. (laughs) Imagine. Don't open this. Positively do not open. Haunted doll. Comic Sans. (laughs) Pink. (laughs) Hot pink. Um... No, this is like proper gothic old English yeah. like typewriting. Very sort of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It means business. Oh, it means absolute do not mess with this doll business. But she ignores it. I mean, yeah, like she's she she plays that part pretty well, like the kind of like snoopy adamant friend who has been tasked with making sure that the cake doesn't burn. And the cake burns. Yeah. Spoiler alert, yeah. but the cake burns. Yeah. Cake burns, the demons are free. This girl causes a bit of chaos in the house. Yeah, she does. She's a bit of a tow rag, actually. She, like, totally goes into this room and just unleashes, like, all the bad stuff, even though she's been told, don't touch anything, don't go anywhere. You're not really meant to be in this house, so go and just sit and make sure that this cake doesn't burn. (laughs) Sit at peace. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Um, So... So yeah, so she she goes in, um, provokes all the demons, provokes all the spirits. Aye, so all all is probably the important part of this film because the all's what sets this aside from the other Annabelle films. The other Annabelle films are very much just you've got a haunted doll. An isolated incident. Aye, um, whereas in this one, when the the warrants are taking the doll home, um, before you even get your sort of opening credits. They're taking the doll home, they've kind of rescued it from, as I say rescued it, that's probably the wrong way to put it, they've rescued the pe- the owners of it by taking it, yes. and they're going to take it for safekeeping obviously, because that's what they do. They've not went down to Doll's Trust and adopted it and <laughs> rescued it and brought it home. There you go, Annabelle comes home. Can I play with Annabelle? I think you have the wrong house, there's no Annabelle here. 
Yes, she is. Um, so, but when they're on the way home, obviously Annabelle being Annabelle, they run into a wee bit of car trouble. Mm. Obviously, they break down outside a graveyard. I mean, where else would you break down in a horror film? It's just unfortunate. And I feel like it wasn't dark and misty, like probably like when they set off. But by the time they break down, it sure is. <laughs> so they break down at the graveyard. The smoke machine's been turned up to a hundred. Absolutely, so. <laughs> you cannot see the car for dry ice at this point. <laughs> it looks great. It's yeah, brilliant. it does. Um, but what you've got basically is Lorraine Warren, again, the mum of the family. She psychic, I guess, or has some sort of psychic intuition. Definitely. Um, and what she realises at that point is we start seeing like basically a lineup of the dead at the gates of the graveyard and it's, around the car. It's pretty much like the set of the thriller video by this point. There's just like... Yeah. Yeah. Kind of zombies cutting about. Probably not as cheesy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Not as well coordinated. Yeah. Um, but she realises that the Annabelle doll like attracts other spirits. Mm. And that's kind of what happens when the Annabelle doll's free. It doesn't just free the doll. It frees all of the bad spirits that are held within everything in their basement. So what are a couple of the other things that are in that basement? There's a wedding gown that yeah. turns anyone that wears it violent and murderous which gives us potentially another sort of thread of movies for the universe mm -hmm. you've also got there's like a kind of samurai warrior mm -hmm. type um and then the coins for the ferryman the ferryman yeah yeah so, so that was like that, that that's another character that that, that was really i thought it was pretty mm -hmm. effective in that film like i enjoyed that that bit a lot yeah, yeah um but basically what we're saying is that they've opened the gates of hell yeah, <laughs> effectively they, in this yeah, basement yeah so all these objects then you know start to they start to terrorize the three girls in the house as well yeah so you've not just got the annabelle you've got the rest to deal with as well what I really like about this film is the fact that it's set over the course of one night. So basically, the parents go and leave like the girls at home, and then the film kind of wraps up with them. I arriving. feel like within two hours or so, like that everything's been let loose. Like yeah, it's really difficult nowadays. I think because you know attention spans aren't maybe what they used to be to set a film over the course of a night in one location and still yeah. maintain a good storyline and maintain everyone's attention. That's that's actually a hard ask now. Because but I think that's actually where it's most effective. I really yeah. liked it because when I was watching it, I was kind of liking it to Goosebumps where mm -hmm. it starts off with like one sort of bad guy and then becomes loads. Yeah, absolutely. And but then it, they but take over like the whole town and mm -hmm. I really like that this was just con contained within the house yeah, and within, the garden, basically. Yeah, basically. Like it doesn't expand like beyond that now the concept of a haunted doll or a doll that's just causing absolute mayhem is nothing new right no i mean you're going right back to like the twilight zone and things yeah. like that with was it talkie tina mm, talkie tina um and then you've got child's play and, and everything else in the middle yeah so yeah not a new concept but, but what it does really effectively is it brings new scares all the time like mm -hmm. i thought this, the second Annabelle film, Annabelle Creation, had a lot of really effective scares. Like, mm -hmm. you watch it and it's got clever wee bits where you think, ah, I've not really seen that before. The downside is that for every effective scare, you've got a really, like, one that just lands flat, you know? Like, and I think that's what lets them down a wee bit sometimes. Yeah. The ones that always stick out for me is, I don't know how it happens, but in modern horror, how do we always, ha how do we always end up with some really poorly 
special effects like demon thrown up in someone else's mouth. Yeah, I don't really get that. It happens constantly. Like, so like for every really cool, like wee creepy sorry, my favourite I guess is when somebody's in the background and the character doesn't know they're there, they're a wee bit out of focus and we can see them and they yeah. move slightly. Yeah. The character doesn't I love that sort of thing. Like yeah. and that's what really helps build tension. And then that tension totally disappears when you've got a big demon thrown up in someone. Yeah, absolutely. And the demon is very like cheesy looking and yeah. not very convincing. Yeah. And I, I think that's how they, they probably like, I think these films more than most have a good success rate in terms of what scares land really well and what ones that are a, bit, a yeah. bit off. I think when you get seven movies in, you've definitely found your groove and you've definitely, you know, the Conjuring films are very good at mixing those kind of good scares with a good story but also little bursts of humour. Yeah, I thought The Nun especially, there was like a massive amount of comedy in I The mean, Nun. I really enjoyed that, but because yeah. it was funny, I yeah. think. But you don't really know what you're getting with a Conjuring film because the tone shifts all over the place mm -hmm. from film to film. Um, so I really, really enjoyed Annabelle Creation. I which didn't, which really, didn't have a lot of humour in it. No, completely the opposite. Built a really good tension and atmosphere and everything, mm -hmm. like... And then you watch The Nun and that's quite funny in this land, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, there's definitely like some like kind of humorous characters like in this yeah. film. So the babysitter's friend who we mentioned, you know, it's hard that kind of sets all this off by snooping around the house. But she's quite obnoxious, but that makes the, you know, or at first you think she's obnoxious. And that's what makes the character quite amusing to watch because she's kind of the... I likened her a bit to like Jackie Burkhart from that 70s show. She's kind of rolling her eyes and everyone's being such a drag and why, why yeah. can't we just have some, you know, some fun and you're not cool and I'm cool and all that kind of thing. Um, like, I definitely thought that she was quite funny and then, you know, there's the kind of lovable doofus that fancies the babysitter who's called Bob. Um, and he's like the equipment manager for the, the basketball team. Yeah, and he, he's, 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 he's the source for a lot of the comedy. So it? he's a bit of a dork, but like means well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he the, he provides a lot of really good comic like relief in the film. Yeah. One of the the bits that I enjoyed, I think, the most was there's a scene in it um, where he's like hiding in the chicken coop, <laughs> and the door for the so there's something outside the chicken coop that's basically going to kill whatever gets in its path, and the door of the chicken coop opens the little tiny hatch opens and one of the chicken one of the chickens wanders out and like bob is like whispering at the chicken like oh no come back come back come back don't go out there like, as if the chicken's going to understand what he's seen and then at one point so that like what's outside can't see in he closes the door and he just whispers, I'm sorry, and just shuts the door. And it's just the funniest, like, it's one of the funniest bits in the film, you know? Like, he, he knows that, like, basically this is not going to end well, like, for this chicken because it's out there with a demon, but basically, like... At least he apologises. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a bit of a lovable Egypt, but, like, it's it's uh, he's really funny in the film. So what did you think of, like, the kind of pacing and the length of it? It's about an hour 45. I thought, like I said, it's very difficult to set the film over the course of a night um, and for it to be well paced, but I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, there there weren't really that many opportunities during the film where I was wondering when it was going to end, which obviously that always tells me that the pacing was probably okay. It was quite a quick hour 45, mm -hmm. I thought. It went by quickly. Um, 
it has a, a sort of, I guess, a reasonable kind of build-up time. Maybe you're about half an hour in before, mm-hmm. like obviously you've got that initial bit where they bring the doll home, then you're about half an hour building the characters before yeah. she goes into the basement. It's definitely not filmed in real time because obviously it's only like an hour and 45 minutes, but some of those moments that you need for kind of genuine suspense to build up, I like that it allows at the time. So there's like a, there's a scene in it where... Um, the babysitter is like following coins that are being rolled at her. Every time a new coin was dropped, you started to feel more and more dread like, yeah, towards and then, it. Like I see, the thing I enjoy most about these films is that doesn't always just build up to a jump scare. Yeah. That really, really annoys yeah. me when that yeah. when it's just jump scare after jump scare. So I like the fact that they mix it up mm-hmm. and you have different types of scares within it. Like that's probably the thing I would say is most positive about the last few Conjuring films. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, um, I think as well, it does a lot of that subtle. If you're paying attention, there's something going on in the background, kind of scare, which isn't a jump scare. It's just a maybe you'll notice it on the first watch, maybe you'll notice it on like the fifth watch, like kind of thing. And I like that sometimes horror is not always about what is immediately obvious in front of your face. It's like maybe what's what's going on if you look a little bit closer. And that's what genuinely creeps me out when I watch films like that. Yeah, I'd much rather you get more of that and less demons thrown mm-hmm. up in people's mouths. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that, yeah. Less demons thrown up in people's mouths. It's not snappy enough to be a hashtag, but if it was... <laughs> that would be my message. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and more we guys creeping in backgrounds. Yeah, so it's a pretty good time for horror just now in general. Um, we saw the trailer for It Chapter 2 before the movie, um, which is going to be um, you know, out later this year. I, th- I think the trailer looks absolutely amazing and I'm looking forward to seeing you know, where they go with the next instalment of it. Um, We also had Child's Play, like, last month as well, which, you know, again, like, another kind of remake of, like, a classic horror film, but I think they've done really well bringing it into, like, the kind of 21st century. Yeah. But what I think I like the most about the kind of Annabelle films and all the Conjuring stuff is it's, like, a... It's, like, original horror, which you don't get a lot of now. You don't get a lot of original films now full stop just because of... We are like kind of living just now in a landscape where there's a lot of remakes. It's interesting because it's it's tough to call them original because when you describe the story, you're like, oh man, I've seen that a hundred times. Totally, like ba- like a babysitter comes over, they get terrorized, and there's a haunted doll. Like you're just like, yeah, you're just ticking generic horror boxes here. But at the same time, when you watch the films, that you're not getting that sort of like you're not tutting at it, thinking like, mm. oh, like that. That's like the feeling I get strongly from like American horror story and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're using that. You yeah. don't really get that from the Conjuring. Like, it's it's always they feel for films that are rehashing stories that have been told a hundred times. They still feel quite fresh. Do you think it's because they're based? I know that the Annabelle films have taken a bit of creative license, but do you think that? It's because they're based loosely on like some real people and some real things that have happened. I and I guess like sometimes with horror, like the classic stories are classics for a reason, aren't mm. they? Like going back to haunted houses, possessed dolls, like no bells and whistles, like just kind of keeping it quite simple. Yeah. And sometimes that is the trick to making something really effective. And I think it's it's to my taste. Like that's the kind of the mm-hmm. kind of horror I like. As simple horror, I would probably call yeah. it. Like I like horror that's like. 
sometimes quite confined location wise so that's why I like this it's all takes place in a house yeah I like when it's not got masses of characters like I like a kind of solid core mm-hmm. like I think it just it ticks boxes for me in terms of what personally I like yeah. otherwise obviously like we're both big fans of what you kind of reference there as being like kind of classic horror and visually in Annabelle there's a couple of really great notes to that the bookend the start and the end of the film they're done to the backdrop of some really great sort of 60s 70s you know um bold color kind of movie art like style stills from the film which kind of reminded me a lot of like the omen the exorcist all those kind of films yeah and the film kicks off with that that sort of intro to the film where annabelle comes up on the screen you've got the red letters Mm -hmm. and then it gives you the scroll which gives you a wee bit of the background story and kind of what's been happening i guess but it's in that perfect red font Mm -hmm. which just evokes like the omen the exorcist like Mm -hmm. the period setting in the film which they do quite well it gives it that nice vibe of that kind of classic era. Yeah, no, definitely. I like when horror films are made by people that like horror films, you know what I mean? So that they, they do pay tribute in those little ways and those little kind of like nods to other films as well. Like I think it's always like, you can always tell, you know? Mrs. Warren? Mom? Is everything okay? Something is happening inside your house and we're not really sure what to do. Can I speak to Annabelle? I'm sorry? You need to give her a soul, dear. So I know that you're going to hit me with some sort of awesome fact, so... Obviously, so Gary's facto this time is... There's a nice wee bit in the film where um, the wee girl's watching TV, she's watching a game show, Mm -hmm. and the contestants win a Raggedy Ann doll, which is what the real Annabelle doll actually is. It wasn't like the sort of wood-carved doll that we get in the film. Mm -hmm. It was actually like a Raggedy Ann doll. And that's the doll, obviously, that's kept in the the family museum now that you can go visit. Yeah, because we were watching a documentary that actually showed you the real Annabelle doll, and she is like that cloth, like rag doll. She's not, um, you know, that kind of ventriloquist dummy, like kind of like wooden like features. Yeah. I think it's it's harder to manipulate like the a raggedy Ann doll and a, the way you need it to look on on screen. I guess like. I think that a Raggedy Ann doll wouldn't have been as scary as the, the, uh, the doll in the not. film. So I think they've taken a little bit of license there to change the way the doll looks to make it even scarier. Yeah, and it does look scarier in this one because, man, the doll looks like it's had a hard few years. Yeah, I mean, by the time Annabelle comes home, she's been <laughs> she's had a hard shift. Aye, but. aye, she's looking a wee bit worse for wear, but, I mean, I guess demonic possession and what she's been through the last few years, it's... It's going to wear you out. It's going to take a toll, and it has. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> she has a white dress on, and it's somehow immaculate. Spotless. Yeah, I need to know her secret, because <laughs> I can't even wear a, a white dress for about two hours without getting something on it, so... Yeah, definitely need some top tips there. I think, like, for me, if it was a Raggedy Ann doll, I would find... I find things with scarecrows quite scary. Mm. And I think a Raggedy Ann doll kind of reminds me of a scarecrow, like, a little bit. Aye, but a scarecrow's got something to, like, prop it up. Yeah. I think what I picture with a Raggedy Ann doll is, like, it's quite kind of... It's going to fall over all the time. Yeah, quite pliable Aye. yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> and you've got like scenes in this for example where like somebody's in bed and they lift up the covers and the doll's there and you think like if that was just a raggedy and doll it's going to be kind of lying there and you'd be like yeah whatever yeah could use it as a pillow Aye. yeah 
Uh, yeah, maybe for some people that's like a scarier idea though. Mm. But like, yeah, I think that the doll, it, it's right on the border, but it's not too cheesy. Yeah. And I quite like that. You know, sometimes when you watch films like this and you're like, oh man, the doll or whatever, insert bad guy here. It's like so cheesy that you're kind of put off a wee bit. Yeah. They, they get it just right with the yeah. doll, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's especially when you have those shots where the camera lingers on the doll's face for a little bit too long and like you're worried that it's going to like blink or do something I mean, it doesn't, and, like, do, it anything. doesn't do anything yeah but yeah. that's what's scary i think sometimes like dolls can be just like I mean, my mum had a terrifying oh doll when we were growing up. I hate this doll so much. <laughs> and it used to sit on top of our wardrobe. And I guess like even when I was like 16, 17, still a bit scared to go in a room because of this doll. And it, I, I, I wouldn't overdo it and say like it moved and everything like that. It didn't. But it just had those weird eyes that followed you. Like regardless, you could move around the room and this thing was still just staring right through you. Yeah. And I think like that's what's so effective in the shots you were talking about is like it's just the stare and yeah. the fact it doesn't move. Yeah. Like also the doll's enormous. Like that's the thing. Like you know when like they're when they're trying to get the doll and put it back in the room, it's like they're carrying another person. <laughs> it is like the size of a small child, which is funny because you think it's probably made for a small child, but it's. You can't imagine a kid picking it up yeah. and like carrying it for a wee day out or anything mm -hmm. like that, that's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so if you had to give it a rating, what would you give it? And where would you place it sort of in the Conjuring universe? So like rating it against a couple of those ones we've seen recently. Okay, okay. I think I would give Annabelle Comes Home a 6 out of 10. 6. And I think it's better than the first Annabelle film, but not as good as in not as scary as the second Annabelle film. Yeah, I would place it in exactly the same place. I think Annabelle Creations, the top of the pile, this one I enjoyed more than the first. I'd probably give it a seven. Yeah. I think like in terms of a Friday night date movie, it's perfect. I think you could make it through no problem even if you're not a big sort of horror fan. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's right on that sort of comedy horror like line it doesn't it's not an out and out horror film and it's not a gross out film it's either. not a gross out and it's not one that builds loads of tension and it's not loads of jump scares it's so i would say it's a, it's a good ride and you don't have to have watched or absorbed all the other conjuring films or even the other annabelle films really because it sets it up quite nicely at the start so that you're you're on the same page as the other viewers Aye, anyway. And there's a wee bit of advice. Don't spend too much time trying to understand the Conjuring universe because I did and I'm none the wiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. You throw logic out the window and just go for it. So that's our show, pretty much. We'd love to know what you think of Annabelle or the Conjuring films or if you're looking forward to any other horror releases this year we'd love to hear about that too I what I'm quite interested in is so did your mum have a creepy doll any listeners aye pictures please yeah <laughs> but yeah what I'm interested in is like we said there's a whole host of bad guys get introduced in this yes what ones do you think would be effective in their own sort of wee spin-off series mm, that's a good one so hit us up so you can catch us on Twitter and on Instagram at MovieThingsPod. So you can leave us a comment or slide on any of those DMs. Cool. So that's our show wrapped up and we'll lock, lock it away. In a, in Annabelle a, came in home. A, yeah, Annabelle came home. She's um, home. And uh, yeah, 
she, she's here. <laughs> Hopefully not here, here. No, not here. Um, there. So thanks so much for listening to Movie Things and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.